This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. I was out a couple of days taking care of my health, but I feel great, everybody. It's great being back with you today on the Santita Jackson Show on Monday, October 24th. 2022, just two weeks and one day away from the midterms elections. Are you registered to vote? Are you still registered to vote? Are you planning to vote? If you uh, are planning to vote, please, please, please go to vote.org if you're not voting early. Many people are. Go to vote.org and find out if you're still registered to vote. That's what you need to do. And then you can find out where you need to go vote because they're closing precincts all over the place. You know, even in Virginia, in this election cycle, 60,000 people were misdirected. They were told to go to the wrong polling places, 30,000 in northern Virginia, 30,000 in southern Virginia. It's important for you to know where you need to go vote. And please don't get caught flat-footed on the day of the primary and go to if you get there and you bump into voter intimidation and we're going to be talking about that today because that's a very real issue republicans promised it that would happen and it's happening you have some in some instances armed armed citizens i'm presuming who are standing at the polling places protecting the integrity of the vote you can't make this stuff up if that happens to you or if you have some kind of problem in the polls Please don't leave. Call 1-866-OUR-VOTE. 1-866-OUR-VOTE and find out what you need to do. That's a clearinghouse of, of election lawyers who will be able to tell you exactly what to do. So don't leave the polling place. Once you leave, you're not going to be able to get back in. Don't do that. So if you have a problem... Any kind of problem, call them at 1-866-OUR-VOTE, 1-866-O-U-R-V-O-T-E, and get directions from them and protection from them. And, of course, Rainbow Push offices will be open. We need volunteers because we drive people to the polls, um, and we just in general make sure that people are all right, even directing people to 1-866-OUR-VOTE. Call us at 773-FREEDOM, 773-FREEDOM, so that we can get your volunteers, so we can get the volunteers out. And um, we're going to be doing some stuff uh, they're throughout the day. So I'm going to be talking about that more and more as we get closer to Election Day, two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, everybody, I want to talk with you about how you can plan your vote and vote your plan at the bottom of the hour. But we're going to be talking about voter intimidation. That is happening all across the country. And we have got to talk about that today. But we're also going to be talking about uh, this discussion about the blackmail being a problem for the Democratic Party. Why is he voting for Trump? Uh, what is wrong with the black male? Black women are saving the Democratic Party. And we kind of got into that yesterday. For those of you, my morning stars, and so many of you listen to us on Keep Up Alive with Reverend Jesse Jackson that I produce and host, along with Reverend Jesse Jackson. And we got into a discussion that got to be quite... Uh, it was quite the discussion. It was sparked by uh, State Senator Nina Turner, who's going to be on with us in less than an hour. Um, she said, look, black men are not the problem in the party. For the most part, black men and black women vote. Uh, we might differ by about five to ten points. So basically, we're in alignment with each other. The question is, to my way of thinking, as I look down on the numbers, 
white women did not vote for Stacey Kemp, Stacey, uh, Stacey Abrams. They voted for Brian Kemp. White women did not vote for Beto O'Rourke. They voted for Ted Cruz. So I think we need to ask that question, too. But we also have to look at this schism, this public schism that is being driven between black men and white, black, black men and black women. And we can't fall for that. If Stacey Abrams does not win, and we hope that she does, and it turns out they're having record-breaking turnout in Georgia, she could win. It will not be the fault of black men. No, 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 no. And we need to talk about that, that, that today. We need to figure out why white women continue to vote for these oppressive candidates. Not all, but most. So let's talk about that today. And you know what? I was with my friend Melissa Rizzi from the station. Um, I haven't been in there really since the pandemic, and I miss everyone. I miss everybody there, Antonio and Steve and Mark and Matt, who I just saw a couple of weeks ago, and all. I miss you. But I got a wonderful, um, a wonderful note from Jeffrey Cole Hagen, in which he expressed his appreciation for the effort made uh, to put this show on. And it was written a year ago. I wish I'd, I wish I'd got received it before, but I haven't been in the office. But I wanted you to know, if you're still listening to the show, Mr. Cole Hagen, how much I appreciated that note. And it's something that I will hold in my heart forever. Really, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm the staff on the show. But I thank God, because I do have some people who, who really help me to get up on StreamYard and all of that. And, and, you know, I do it for you, really. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. So, everybody, let's get right to it so we can get some good news and get on with the rest of the show. Uh, it is Monday, October 24th, 2022. Chicago's going to be a positively balmy day, thank heaven. 74 degrees will be the high. Scattered showers. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 70 degrees. Scattered showers. It feels like spring. I love it. I love it. The Bears will be playing the Patriots tonight. Who will win? The Vikings are first in the NFC North. will wait for their next game. The Astros versus the Phillies. That's who will be meeting in the World Series. Wonderful, wonderful World Series it will be. Who's going to be America's team, the Astros or the Phillies? We will see starting on Friday night. The Celtics will be playing the Bulls tonight, and the Timberwolves were triumphant over the Thunder, 116-106. to The U.K. Uh, will not have Boris Johnson as their next prime minister. He has decided to stand down, but someone who is standing up is Rishi Sunak. Who is he? He is a very, very wealthy former finance prime minister. He's married to one of the wealthiest women in Great Britain. And guess what? He would, should he win, be the first Southeast Asian prime minister of Great Britain. So we'll see how all of this works. But he is also extremely conservative, everybody. Extremely conservative. And so it's kind of interesting because, you know, less than one-tenth of one percent of Brits will have voted for this new prime minister. It's a very interesting system. I've got to get someone on here to talk about that, but it's a very interesting system. In fact, I was with Keith Vaz this weekend, who came in to support Jonathan Jackson. Um, and Keith Vaz, who is he? He is the longest-serving British member of par- parliament of color. That's right. That's right. And it's interesting how people of color have an investment in watching people of color make it everywhere. And not just people of color, but the perspective of the progressives. 
uh, they're interested in what's happening with Beto O'Rourke and John Fetterman. Just this is really not about color, everybody. It's about kind. Think about that, everybody. A common respiratory virus known as RSV, RSV is spreading at unusually high levels in the U.S. and is overwhelming children's hospital symptoms may look like a common cold and include a runny nose, decreased appetite, Coughing, sneezing, fever, and wheezing, according to the CDC. But in some children, especially young infants, this can be dangerous, leading to dehydration, breathing trouble, and serious illness. Everybody, please watch out for the children. Hurricane Rosalind made landfall in west-central Mexico on Sunday, flooding roads and damaging buildings along the country's Pacific coast. The hurricane has since weakened rapidly to a tropical storm, but left widespread destruction from the high winds and downpour. The Trump Organization's criminal tax fraud trial kicks off today in New York. Former President Donald Trump is not a defendant in the case and is not expected to be implicated in any wrongdoing, but if convicted... The Trump Organization would face maximum fines of $1.6 million, the most allowed, under New York state law. And those are some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Are you voting in 2022? If so, what is the leading issue for you? And do you expect the Democrats to win? Remember, even though the pie is like about 36, 37 percent Democrats, about 28, 29 percent Republicans and about 28, 27% independents. The fact is there are technically more registered Democrats in the United States than any other party. Mm. Republicans, you know, Republicans are where they are. Democrats are where they are. The independents float. And more and more Americans are becoming independent. You know, you might vote for a Republican candidate here, a Democratic candidate there. Where do you think all of this is going? Call me at 773. 773- 763-9278. Pastor Todd Yeary, it's wonderful to hear your voice this morning. Douglas Memorial Community Church, who, of course, pastored by Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock before you assumed the pastorate. What a tremendous legacy you are in. You are a fine man to be in that space. How are you this morning? Good morning, Santita. Good to be with you. I am well. I hope you are, too. And look, I'm well, and I can't wait to have you back on the political discussion. A great place for you to be um, as we talk about uh, just really where our politics are. But right now, we need some good news. <laughs> and things are well, so crazy. Well, we can start with some easy good news. It was 80, yes, 80 degrees in Chicago on Saturday. I don't know what happened. I don't know what you all have been drinking, but I was there to bear witness to it, and I soaked as much of it up as I could. Now, I may not be back until April, because we do know that it may turn into something else. But be quiet. Keep your mouth shut. Just be quiet. Oh, look, I'm just saying, honey, let's let's be clear. You know, Big Mama said you better dress for the calendar, not for the forecast. We're going to mm. go and do that thing anyhow. So let's just go on and get right down to it, because I know you have big things to do. Here we go. Good morning, Chicago. 
on in Twin Cities. Here we go. Look, you all thought you were finished with me. He's back. So get up, <laughs> get going, put your feet on the floor, feel the coolness of the towers, get a little cooler. The weather's changing. Uh, recognize that you are alive. So get up, get moving. You got to change the world. Take a deep breath of L-I-F-E. Whip it, inhale it, soak it up, get ready. Because you got some things to do. Get that morning Joe going. Get that OJ. Don't forget, drink that water. Got to stay hydrated because you got to be able to do the thing. I need to talk to you. Santita, last week, maybe it was last week, there was this huge story. It was an amazing story about an image that had come back from the web telescope or the web satellite uh, showing this cloud 7,000 light years away from Earth. 7,000 light years away. Way out beyond anything that we could see. And they called this view of this cloud the pillar of creation. The pillar of creation. It looked like just some random cloud. And inside this cloud, gases were compressing at such a rate that new stars, yes, new masses were being created 7,000 light years away beyond anything that we would be able to see. And yet there's still creation happening beyond our ability to conceive it. And I thought about it. I said, you know what? That's pretty amazing. We have to remember that there's a principle here that we should not forget. I want to drop this on you, and then you'll get on with your day. Number one, this massive cloud looked like dust. looked like a big old dust cloud, like somebody needs to clean their house. Will somebody get a broom and sweep up 7,000 light years away? Because it just didn't look like there was anything of value happening. I want to say to you this morning, don't be discouraged by how your circumstance looks. Because in the midst of what looks to be out of order, there's something powerful happening. The second thing is, is you've got to recognize that God is at work even when we can't see what God is doing. 7,000 light years away, you'll never know it. If it had not been for this picture coming back, we may have never even realized that there's a creative power in the universe still at work, and that power is at work within us. And remember, last thing, get ready to do your thing today, change the world, because there's something stirring inside of you. One of the things you could see in this image, inside this cloud, was you could see the creation of the stars, the stars beginning to shine in the midst of this cloud, happening at a creative pace that no one could really track. And yet, there was still something powerful going on. You may not be able to see it, you may not be able to perceive it, but there's something great and awesome happening inside of you. And remember, if we look to the New Testament text, we have a definition. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Go on and be your bad self. Watch what God's going to do with and in your life and go on and change the world without apology because you are the pillar of creation. That's it. That's all. Start your week off right. And I'll look to talk to you soon. Have a great day, Santita. At 7 o'clock, as a matter of fact, Central Standard Time. I needed that today. It's a cloud. You know, things that you can't see, but something great is happening in there. You never know, but that's why you got to keep on hanging in there, everybody. Pastor Todd Yeary, Douglas Memorial Community Church at Rainbow Push, of course. Everybody, let's get to Dr. Nina at Hey, Dr. Nina. We're so glad to hear your voice, registered nurse, infection preventionist, nurse scientist, research scientist. She's the executive director of APEX Center for IPC Research Practice and Innovation. 
it's probably the largest gathering of epidemiologists and infection control uh, specialists in the world. We're always so glad to have you with us today, uh, every day. Uh, talk to me about RSV, uh, because I'm a little confused about it, and I'm concerned because so many children, they're saying, have it. They're seeing a surge in these cases. They say it's, you know, the rep- the reports say it's not serious, but it could be serious. What is RSV and where could it go? Dr. Knighton? I was okay, talking, she, but yeah. I just, I was on mute. It's so respiratory right. virus, it's a common respiratory virus, and it usually performs like a mild cold. However, one of the biggest issues is, is like the symptoms, which is interesting because a lot of them look alike, right? Like runny nose, decrease in appetite, cough and sneezing, you know, fever, wheezing. So a lot of stuff that typically we would see with COVID. Um, symptoms, though, I was going to say a kid can be contagious for about five to eight days. And they can infect others for as long as like one month. So unlike, let's say, a cold where like the shedding of a cold will start to kind of like taper off. With this, it tends to linger around for a little bit longer. The other piece of it is, is even though it is deemed as being common for children that receive it, and it's not even just children, I also want to point out the fact that young children are at risk, but also older adults. So just as you will see RSV in children, you also see it in our elderly population as well. And when we're talking about someone that is already small, that potentially may not be good eaters or good drinkers to begin with, we know that not having an appetite and not eating um, means that there's a lack of nutrition that's able to actually support the immune system. We know that if they're not drinking, they're also more prone to be dehydrated. So when things like that happen, it actually ends up um, leading to hospitalizations in order for them to be able to get adequate fluids. Um, if Because it is respiratory. Children can be no, um, noisy breathers already without even being sick. And so then when they are sick, they're having a lot of labored um breathing as a result of having the RSV. So that then might mean that they may need some sort of um, respiratory treatments in order to help them out. So it's highly contagious, just as I pointed out, and the kid can transfer it to another kid for um, up to 30 days. Same thing with older adults, right? And so when you know that somebody is contagious for that long period of time, it can be scary because that's actually, believe it or not, it's a longer duration than what COVID can be transmitted. That's unbelievable. I mean, so is there any way that you can confirm? I've got about a minute left, a minute and a half. How can you confirm whether your child has it or not? I mean, what do you do? So my first thing is, is any time like there is any um, symptoms that is making your child, um, anytime somebody's at risk of not breathing and they turn in, let's say, different colors, or you know that they're reacting in a way that's not of their normal behavior, mm-hmm. trust your gut and trust your intuition and take your kid in if that is the case. Because unfortunately, there's not a lot of time... Um, 
for you to waste. And then on top of that, you want to make sure that you're putting your kid in the best position possible or an older adult. And so when you do go in, they will evaluate the symptoms. They will see um, if that kid has it and essentially they'll treat it. Hmm. Dr. Shanina Knight and everybody go to Hey Dr. Nina. Hey Dr. Nina at Hey Dr. Nina. I catch her on Instagram and throughout on social media. Her latest posting is Lifestyle Habits in the Era of COVID and Beyond. It's about hand hygiene, exercise, good nutrition, sleep, and it's made so plain that even I can understand it. <laughs> Dr. Shanina Knight and sending you much love, everybody. Coming up, let's talk about the midterms. We are one, we are two weeks and one day away from the midterms. Are you still on the voter rolls? You might think that you are. You might even have your voter registration card, but you need to call vote. You need to go to vote.org and find out. You can find out in a couple of minutes if you've been purged from the voter rolls. You need to find out where you need to go vote. In northern and southern Virginia, 60,000 voters were misdirected just a few weeks ago. They were sent official letters, and they were told to go to the wrong place. That's a lot. So let's talk about that, everybody, and let's talk about black, black men and black women. And there's this schism that we're seeing the media drive about black men and black women, that they're so far apart. That's not true. Uh, black women and white women are real far apart. Because white women supported Brian Kemp over Stacey Abrams and uh, Greg Abbott over Beto O'Rourke. Let's talk about it on the Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. Hey, morning stars, like and share. Like and share the show, everybody. Like and share the show. Meet us over on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and the Santita Jackson and Friends page. The Santita Jackson page is just a landing page. I can't take any friends there, but I can welcome new friends onto Santita Jackson and friends, and I do hope that you'll meet me there. And um, let's talk here at 773-763-9278. I want to get some feedback about you. I've been asked to do several shows, which I will be letting you know about, um, and they all want to know what you're thinking. And I say, you know, I talk with my people. I talk to my people, and I'm here to express to you what my people think. And I want to know what you think. I don't want to just talk about you. I don't want to speculate and give people my opinions and mask them as yours. So call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-19-773-763-9278 and let America know because people from all over the country, indeed from all over the world, are listening to this station. It's the largest progressive talk, talk radio station in the country. And Minneapolis, AM 950 Radio. People are listening. I'm shocked. I bump into people. I bumped into someone in the airport. I started speaking, and the woman turned around. She looked at me, and she said, oh, my goodness, you're Santita Jackson. I said, yes. She, I had on a mask. She said, I know your voice anywhere. I listen to you every morning. I was like, wow. She's out in L.A. 
So everybody, we're a lot closer and a lot more linked, closely, closely linked than we know. I hope that you will get out and vote, 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 vote on November 8th. That is two weeks from tomorrow, everybody. Go to vote.org. Find out if you've been purged from the voter rolls. Find out where you can go vote. And then if you are doing early voting, if you're engaging in that, make sure that you are call 186-OUR-VOTE, 1-866-OUR-VOTE. If you have any kinds of challenges at the polls, do not leave the polls. Don't leave. Stay there. Talk to 866-OUR-VOTE, all those lawyers who are there waiting for you, and they will guide you through the process. Don't leave until you've gotten instructions from them. Shapiro, how you doing? Celebrations by us. Well, it seems like you might need to go back to um, summer food. It's in the 70s. <laughs> oh, wow. I Unbelievable. You, uh, I read a post the other day, Santita, and it tells you about Chicago weather. This is our second summer, so it's only lasting a week, so I- I'm good. But we are definitely taking orders for the holiday season because guess what? Thanksgiving is right around the corner. So don't have to might have to have a luau with if global warming keeps up. (laughs) (laughs) Don't hesitate to give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We can take care of all of your holiday needs. So not only your food, but we can do your decor, your setup your uh, Christmas trees, as well as also your Thanksgiving table decor, whatever you need, call us at 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. I am too, but like I said, you might need to go on and put on that, uh, put on that, those lovely island clothes because we might have to have a luau. This weather's crazy. I'll take it, though. I'll take it. I'll take it because, I mean... I'll take it. I love winter clothes, but I do not like the cold. Love you, Disha Pearl Wells. Hey, everybody. Uh, Let's talk about planning your vote and voting your plan. What is happening at the polls? A whole lot's happening at the polls. In Mesa, Arizona, there is a news story that shows that armed poll watchers are there. Uh, Just looking over, just making sure that everything stays safe. These are citizens. These are not the police now. And then you saw what happened in Florida. The election police, uh, written into law, signed into law by uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, they've been arresting people. Now, one of the cases was was not successful, but they've been arresting people who have been told by officials that they can go vote. It's just not ending. So fighting for the vote is a real thing, and it's not just in the South. It's in the Southwest, it's in the South, it's in the North, it's in the West, it's in the Northeast, it's everywhere. Remember, the original idea in this country was for a very, very small percentage, not even the 1%, to vote. Only propertied white males could vote. That was it. Which meant that 99% of everybody else could not vote. And it's always been a fight to enfranchise Americans. That's been the fight. It's the fight to enfranchise people all over the world. That's why you have monarchies and oligarchies. They're basically the same thing. So we have to really, really take this American project very, very seriously, everybody. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. What about these armed poll watchers? We have got Attorney Robert Patillo, Southeastern Regional Director for Rainbow Push. Um, and we have got Wisconsin State Senator 
Lena Taylor with us this morning. We've got a lot to talk about today because, boy, you know, we'll have another conversation with her uh, sister from another Mr. Uh, State Senator Nina Turner and, of course, State Senator Lena Taylor. We love it because <laughs> only God could have made these women this this closely, this closely linked philosophically and in so many ways. I admire and love them both so much. And you too, Robert Patillo. Robert Patillo, talk to me. Armed poll watchers in Arizona, are you seeing anything in uh, in Georgia? We understand that you are, you have a real, people are really voting that down there at record rates. What's going on? Uh, absolutely. No, I think people have understood that what the voter suppression law that pres- uh, Governor Kim passed last year, SB 202, uh, that uh, voting early was a necessity. Uh, the best way to cure defects to me is this: let's say you find out your parents from the voting rolls. Uh, let's find out you find out your district has changed. You find out they don't have your address on record. Uh, that your uh, voter registration has been challenged, or your vote has been challenged by one of these people that now can challenge votes. Uh, the best way to cure those is to try to vote early, uh, and so you can always come back after you get it fixed, as opposed to voting on election day, uh, where it becomes the entire ordeal. So we've been, really been pushing and encouraging people to vote early, particularly since they've now made uh, voting drop boxes all but illegal in the state, which were uh, huge helps in 2020 when it came to getting the vote out, particularly during the pandemic. Uh, and also cutting down on early voting hours in certain jurisdictions. So it's all been about uh, making sure people have information. Uh, uh, The candidates have invested a lot in attack ads. The nonprofit groups, Us, People's Agenda, um, FTLC, NAACP, Fair Fight, uh, many of the others, the Georgia Project, uh, Black Voters Matter, have been putting a lot of effort, a lot of resources into ensuring people that know about and are planning for early voting. Uh, as a result of this, we have, we're yet to see situations like Arizona, the armed vigilantes, uh, uh, confronting people, but we do have our voter protection hotline set up so people can either call the Rainbow Post Coalition office, uh, here in Atlanta, uh, or they can call 1-800-R-VOTE if they have voting issues to report uh, issues of that nature. But right now, it's all about encouraging as many people as possible to early vote uh, because record turnout, record numbers, mean that, we're, uh, mean that we have a better chance of maintaining the civil and political rights that we're fighting for in this election. Mm. State Senator Lena Turner. Uh, Lena Taylor, excuse me. Goodness, I'm conflating you and Nina together. I mean, we do, I know it happens all the time, but wow. Ooh. But talk to me. What are you seeing in the state of Wisconsin? What are you seeing in Milwaukee? Of course, when you were running for mayor, you barely had any precincts open. Uh, when Charles Booker was running uh, for uh, for the U.S. Senate in, uh, in 2018 in Kentucky, they had one super site open for 660,000 people. And now we've got these armed poll watchers. Now we've got the GOP saying months ago, look, we're going to deploy 50,000 people across all the 50 states and territories to observe these elections. What's going on? Well, you know, we've had issue with voters, um, being challenged, intimidated. Um, there was the green jack, jacket movement. There's been misinformation that's been done. These are the things that we've had happen 
from a partisan perspective before. And then um, as Greg Pallas said in the movie, um, you know, and showed in the movie, we've experienced some things that have happened in primary time, which has mostly been through Democrats that something has happened. But the concept of really making it where masses of people are challenged, we're concerned because this is something that we've seen happen in our community before. And uh, it's been done by individuals that didn't really necessarily even live in our community. So that's one of the law changes that, you know, um, who can be in the polling sites, who can be challenged, what areas they can come from. So now that we know that they've been doing this in other states in this election cycle, it's concerning. So we've been ramping up to make sure that we're telling people and what you can see on the ground is that people are trying to make sure that individuals are prepared. Well, first of all, inspired to go vote. Um, and second of all, prepared. And I will say, um, and prepared with numbers in case somebody is there challenging them. Prepared if they go there, prepared if they go there and someone's saying, well, you don't have um, the right this or the right that. You know, that is going to be, there's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a lot of that is what I believe. And so as a result of that, making sure that people have the contact numbers of where to call if they're experiencing voter suppression, what to do if they're experiencing voter suppression. You know, we showed uh, vigilante. And then afterwards, we realized that what will also be good. So when we show it on November the 2nd at the Wisconsin, the Women's African-American Women's Center uh, at 6 p.m., we're also going to make sure that people have the tools that day when they leave on what do you do if you are challenged at the poll? What do you do if they tell you that you can't get a ballot? Well, then you ask for your ballot anyway so you can have a provisional ballot and then go and cure that ballot because that okay, will make no, a difference. I need you to explain that to me, because I have to tell you, I was offered a provisional ballot once when there was some confusion about whether I voted or not, which was not true. They said I voted just after six in the morning. Life-changing experience for me, you guys. You've heard me talk about it so much. That having been said, I said, I do not want a provisional ballot. I want to go in this booth and vote. I do not do not give me that. And you're saying that I was wrong. I should have. Well, I mean, we worked it out. You're saying that a provisional ballot is okay. Talk to us about that. It is okay. Now, first of all, in the end, I'm not telling you not to try to, you know, work out whatever you can in that moment to get a ballot so that your ballot is not provisional. But if you run into something and your ballot, you cannot get a ballot and a provisional ballot is what you are being offered, take it. Take it and do it. And let me tell you why. One, you have a certain amount of time, and make sure you know the amount of time, it's days, to come back and to cure that provisional ballot, to fix it. What does that mean? Whatever the cure. 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 What does that mean? To cure. C-U-R-E. To fix it. Uh F-I-X. Okay. Fix it. Right? To fix it so it no longer will be considered a provisional ballot, but it actually gets cured, gets fixed, so that it can be counted. Um, maybe it's your ID wasn't valid, or maybe it's 
they questioned if you were, if you're in Wisconsin, off of probation or parole or extended supervision. You know, I don't know what the issue might be, but I'm going to tell you, there's a guy here. He's an alderman now in one of the suburbs in my district called Wauwatosa. His name is Sean Lowe. Sean won by guess how many votes, Sam Peter? One. What? One vote. It was one person who did a provisional ballot and came back. And that person came back and fixed their ballot. And because of that, it was, if I remember right, it might have been after that a tie and they had to flip a coin and Sean Lowe won. Hmm. One vote. So people often say, oh, my vote's not going to count. The only reason it doesn't count is because you're not casting it. But if you cast it, it will count and it will matter. And that's, I think, the most important part. And so be prepared to know that people are trying to challenge your vote and challenge you from being able to even have a voice in these elections. And you need to ask yourself, why somebody want to work so hard to get rid of my vote if it don't matter? Because it does. Because it is a powerful voice that you have through your vote. And because elections matter. They pick the individuals who help to vote on the budgets and budgets have moral consequences. And so... Making sure that you know that people are going to challenge you in this season. There have been, as Santita, as you said, you know, people, you know, um, dispensed, so to say, or distributed, so to say, around the nation in order to be able to challenge people when they go to vote. And you know who they're going to challenge? They're going to challenge people. It's kind of like what happens with the police when they stop and frisk people, well, it's a similar concept that people are about to experience except at the ballot box, and you want to be prepared. So that's what I see on the ground here, people doing everything to inspire and prepare people for this election season that they're about to go in, including the poll workers are being trained on how to do everything from deal with gunshot wounds, to where to go to barricade themselves, what to do if individuals are harassing voters, um, you know, just across the board. And it has made getting poll workers a little more challenging because of the concerns that we actually have for this season. Mm, We're talking with Wisconsin State Senator Lena Taylor about... Uh, voting your planning your vote, voting your plan. There are people who are armed and who are uh, at the polls waiting to intimidate you, waiting to stop you from voting. You need to be clear on what you need to do if it happens inside or outside the polls. You need to know what your rights are. You need to know that there are people who are on guard waiting for you. One eight six six, our vote. One eight six six, our vote. It's lawyers from all over the country who who are sitting at the phone waiting for you to call. If you are early voting, if you're going to be voting on Tuesday, November 8th, please call one eight six six our vote If you have any problems voting, do not leave the polling place, Robert. I think it's important for people to understand that 
they should not leave the polling place. Can you explain why? Well, once you leave a polling place, now you you are you lose a lot of your negotiating power. Uh, you lose your place in line, and you're less likely to come back. Uh, also, you can report from line uh, on many of the issues. So let's say you have a provisional ballot issue. Uh, so when it's challenging your electoral status, you can call 1-800-HOUR-VOTE, and we can connect you with an election protection lawyer uh, through many of the organizations that are volunteering time and resources to defend these issues. Uh, you can also get in contact with the Secretary of State's office and or your local uh, Board of Elections, if it's not been taken over by the uh, Republican State Legislature, uh, to, in order to have uh, election officials uh, come out to challenge it. So uh, we recommend for people to stay there, stay in line, uh, don't lose your spot, don't try to uh, come back later, uh, stick it out, call your job, let them know you'll uh, you'll get there soon, uh, call your child care, let them know you'll be there to pick up the kids, uh, but you have to handle this now, uh, because w- w- the entire point of voter suppression, as Reverend Jackson has told us, is about skimming. It's not about bull Congress standing outside the polls and with hoes and dogs and It's about getting that one out of every 100 people to get out of line, that 1% of the vote. If you look at a county like Georgia, uh, where President Biden won by 11,000 votes, we're talking about one out of 1,000 voters is all that it took to change the outcome of that election. So all they're attempting to do is to get every uh, every few hundred people, one or two people to get out of line, to give up, uh, to uh, not stick it out, because that's what they need in order to be able to win. And when we talk about voter suppression, you have to understand that it's about making sure, just trying to nibble around the edges to change the outcomes in the smallest amount possible. And that's what the voter intimidation efforts are about. That's what the uh, change of these state laws is about. That's what uh, having those long 16-hour lines are about, trying to get you to get out of line and give up so they can win. Hey, everybody, one our vote Please, if you are in line, do not leave. And before you go, go to vote.org, vote.org. Find out if you are still on the voter rolls, find out where you need to go vote in northern and southern Virginia. In this cycle, just a few weeks ago, it was reported in the Washington Post that 60,000 people were sent the wrong directions by the voting authorities. You need to find out where you need to go vote. Remember, they closed more than 100 precincts here in Chicago. So when the June primary came around, more than 100,000 people were trying to figure out, well, at least... Theoretically, it impacted more than 100,000 people. And even though I don't think that many people voted, that's a lot. The day of the vote, you do not want to try and figure out where to vote. You don't want to find out that you're not on the voter rolls. You really, really don't want to do that. So please, you know, before we get, uh, and we're going to continue to talk about this right up and through Election Day. But you know what? I want to, let me, let me, let me go to you. Uh, Robert Patillo, we are about to pivot to Stacey Abrams' race. Of course, and it was reported in the, in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. She said, look, if black men vote for me, um, I will win. And it sparked a lot of discussion about black men. You know, 12% of black men did not vote for her. They voted for Brian Kemp. Um, and we're seeing... Hey, more and more black men move into the Republican column. But overwhelmingly, more than 80 percent of black men still vote Democrat. 
Um, and so there's not a lot of daylight, relatively speaking, between black men and white and black men and black women. And yet, you know, it's almost as if black men are being set up to take the fall if things don't go the way we want them to go with Stacey Abrams, because I know certainly I'm pulling for her to win. Uh, that having been said, no one is talking about the fact We've got a lot of layers here because we see black men and black women being pitted against each other. But, Robert, no one talks about the fact that in the Kemp, in the Kemp, in the, excuse me, in the Kemp Abrams race, the 55 percent of white women voted for Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp was chosen by, I mean, excuse me, Beto O'Rourke. Mm, no, people of color chose him. White women chose Gregory Abbott. Speak to that. I have a couple of minutes before we go. Well, you know, I, I think we talked about this a little bit on Reverend Jackson's show yesterday, that um, it's almost as if black men get set up each election cycle um, to be kind of the, uh, the the mindless ones, the ones who are not allowed to have any questions, not allowed to bring up any issues. Uh, and because of that, it's almost as if, if there is any daylight, if black women are supporting a candidate at 90, uh, 95%, and we're at 88, 89%, the narrative that we see in the media is, well, what's wrong with black men? But it, but what we don't talk about is the rest of the uh, legs of the Democratic base. Uh, what about Hispanic voters who have been moving very much in favor of Republicans, despite the, the Democratic uh, rhetoric on immigration? Mm-hmm. Democrats, for some reason, think the only issue that matters to Latino voters uh, is immigration, when in reality, you're talking about people who are deeply Catholic and abortion is an issue. Uh, you're talking about people who are you know, small business owners and taxes uh, are issues. You have a lot of issues they're pushing them towards the Republican column, but they don't get the same criticism that black men get, uh, it seems, every election cycle. Now, you talked a lot about white women. People thought that the Dobbs decision would be enough uh, to motivate those suburban white house uh, uh, housewives, they call them, the soccer moms or the hockey moms, whatever the um, uh, phrases of the day to turn out in record numbers, but we're still seeing in the uh, in the recent polls and crosstabs that they're breaking for Kemp late, and they're breaking for Republicans late nationwide. So in reality, when we, when we talk about, uh, quote-unquote, black men fleeing to the Republican Party, we're talking about like 30 dudes nationwide. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, the, the polling data just isn't there to back up that narrative. But what is, or what, what we are seeing is uh, an excuse to have more of these panels, we'll have more of these think pieces, um, uh, and also to trot out more celebrities. Because it's uh, one thing that annoys me about Democrats is when it gets close to election time. Uh, that's when all the celebrities are going to pop out because it's as if they think their voters are so uh, supple, so uh, uh, non-sophisticated that all you got to do is pull out Jay-Z or Beyonce or LeBron um, and you just need to be doing the Dougie or twerking somewhere or on stage with some, some rapper in order to get the attention. And I think that it sours many black men kind of being condescended to this idea that instead of just coming through and talking to me about policy, I got to see you at you know homecoming doing the cha cha slide. It's, uh, it's it happens most election cycles. Uh, black and ca- white candidates alike. I think you remember the famous video of Terry McAuliffe coming out on stage trying to dance oh. with black people before that gubernatorial race, oh. and it, and it oh. just does not work. <laughs> to the break. Every time. <laughs> 
before I have to put this man out in cyberspace. <laughs> oh, Lena, I can't wait for you to respond to that. Coming up, her sister, Nina Turner, on the Santita Jackson Show. <laughs> This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, the second hour. Call us, Otis. You've called back, and I promise you I'm going to come to you. We're talking about black men, black women, and the vote. There are so many articles on whether black men and black women are not seeing eye to eye on the vote, and... It's not quite true, but the media are driving a schism between black men and black women, and we need to talk about that. We also need to talk about why um, white women tend to vote for uh, these white candidates. They voted, they chose Brian Kemp over Stacey. They're choosing him over Stacey once again. That's real, everybody. So, um, you know, maybe we need to look at what's the difference between white women and black women and white women and, you know, other and uh, other oppressed group, you know, because we need to talk about that on the Santita Jackson show. So call me, call me, call me at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. I'm going to get to you just before we get to Nina Turner, everybody. So many of you want to speak with her today. It's Monday, October 24th, 2022. What a great day. It's going to be scattered showers in Chicago. 74 degrees, everybody. Almost November. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul, same thing, 70 degrees, scattered showers, everybody. It's going to be the Astros versus the Phillies in the World Series. It's going to be a great, great series, everybody. The Bears will be playing the Patriots tonight, and the Vikings are first in the NFC North. They had a day off, and in the NBA, the Celtics will be playing the Bulls tonight. And the Timberwolves, 116, the Thunder, 106. It seems that the U.K. might get their first Southeast Asian Prime Minister Boris Johnson has decided to stand down, but now uh, the former finance minister, Rishi Sunak, uh, one of the wealthiest men in Britain, has emerged as a front front runner uh, to become the next prime minister of Great Britain. A common respiratory virus, everybody, please be careful. RSV is spreading at unusually high levels. Initially, it appears to be mild, but it can develop into something very serious. Go get your children taken care of. As Dr. Shanina Knighton said, trust your own instincts on the health of your children. Hurricane Roslyn made landfall in west central Mexico on Sunday, flooding roads and damaging buildings along the country's Pacific coast. The Trump Organization's criminal tax fraud trial kicks off today in New York. Former President Donald Trump is not a defendant in this case and is not expected to be implicated in any wrongdoing. But if convicted, the Trump Organization would fast would face maximum fines of $1.6 million, everybody. We've been talking about the armed poll watchers in Arizona and all over the place. You know what, Devin, I'm going to send you um, Aaron Connolly's number. Um, so we are talking about this schism, this schism, this alleged schism that exists between black men and black women and the vote. Before I get to you, um, brilliant Nina Turner, who has a new show on TYT on the Young Turks Network. Uh, I want you to talk to us about that in a hot second, but Otis is called back 
Uh, he called once earlier and then he called back Otis. What's on your mind today? Is Otis there? Okay. Well, Nina, you got things you started me? off. Oh, Otis, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear okay. you. Otis, what's on your you. mind? How are you? Um, I'm doing okay. And you? It's great hearing your voice. Okay. Um, all right. Um, I'm calling because um, about in Georgia, about Miss uh, Abrams, uh, about mm-hmm. black women, um, black women voting for her, voting for her more than um, the men are. The thing is that black men, um, they're asking, what are we getting for our vote? And uh, for black people, not for black men, for black people in general. And um, she hasn't answered that question yet. But uh, also there's a lot of women out there that's voting, that's not voting either uh, for uh, Ms. Abrams. Well, how is she not answered? White- well, Otis, let me ask you this. How has she not answered the question? She has spoken to poverty. She's spoken to incarceration because she's had a, she has a brother who's been incarcerated. That's not, what I, that's, not, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. No, no, no. I said. No, no. What Otis, is we getting? Otis, what Otis, 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 then correct me, but you're going to have to do it respectfully. We don't have to speak over each other. I'm trying to engage you, not talk you down and not but, condescend. Okay, so but stop. But back go, up. The point is, back what are up. They what are you, back up. Then say it again. And like I said, let's be respectful. You go. Because the men and the black men in, in, uh, in Georgia are not voting for her because they asked her, "What, what the whole? What are we going to get? What are you going to give black people in Georgia?" And she has to answer that question. It's not about what she. Uh, talked about is about what is she going to give the black people there in Georgia? Even the women there, a lot of women not voting for her. So as for the other candidate, when you got white, white women voting for him, the number of white, white men that voted for that same candidate. But the thing is, there's really not that much confusion. I, yeah, yesterday, yesterday is because if you ask the black woman, why are you, why are you voting for Amber? Because she's black, that's not good enough. Because we fell for that before, voting for somebody of color, and we didn't get nothing in return. But anybody else did. So it's just all about uh, the men, want, they want something for their vote. They want, they want something for black people for they, for, before they vote for her. That's all that is. Hmm. Okay. Can I just say something? Well, no, of course. Well, stay right there, Otis, because I want you to. I want you to engage him. But then I've got to get Nina Turner, whose show, Unbossed, will start on TYT October. Well, started on October seventeenth. Everybody, live weekdays, four p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you got to tune in and let everybody know that they need to tune in because we need to keep the show on the air. CK. Yes. First, of all, I want to thank the caller for asking that question. Um, I live in Atlanta. Um, I've lived there for about a decade. And this is a question I'm going to pose, and then I'm going to answer your question. What does Brian, what is Brian Kemp doing for black people? So, so if you don't vote for Stacey Abrams, you're voting for Brian Kemp. Or if you, not, if you don't vote at all, you're voting for Brian Kemp. So my first question is, if you can articulate Please help me. What is Brian Kemp doing for black people in Georgia? Because that would be a resounding nothing other than taking away rights, taking away um, our, our ability to vote without suppression and imposing oppression. So I live there. I'm there every single day. And if you do, too, then you you probably live that and know that's true. So we, what we do for the goose, we must do for the gander. What is Brian Kemp doing for black people? There cannot be anything positive in his response 
to that question. That's number one. But let me answer the question that you pose. What is Stacey Abrams? What would they get for the vote? What they would get is someone who actually practices what she preaches when it comes to policing reform, when it comes to education, when it comes to health care, when it comes to voting. These are all things that she has already done because Stacey Abrams has been in the legislature. She has a record on voting. She has a record on every single one of the issues that, that the issues that are germane to the black community. Her record is clear. It's not there's not some confusion. There's not some lack of clarity on where she stands on these issues. Voting. She has litigation for voting. She has registered more voters in Georgia than anyone in recent history as a candidate. That's number one. Healthcare. We know what her position is on healthcare. She's trying to bring a, a level playing field for healthcare so that all people in Georgia can have access to healthcare. Education. She's taken a very, very, very significant position on education, raising education, raising the levels of education that would impact black and brown children. You, I can go down every single line and sure. tell you what Stacey Abrams stands for. So, and what she said. So when I'm not sure who or where that question was posed and she didn't answer because I've been following her. She answers that over and over and over again. Well, hold That's on. That's not the issue I would respectfully say well, in terms of what can she bring for black people. See, this goes to the heart of what the person who kicked this off yesterday, because we ended up staying staying on the phone 30 extra minutes, because uh, I think we've got uh, Reverend Dr. Yeary on, too, and Robert Patillo, uh, 30 extra minutes, and Lena Taylor was all over it. See what you started, uh, Nina Turner, uh, the host of Unbossed on TYT. It started a week ago, everybody. It's live weekdays, 4 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. You want to watch it. That's on the Young Turks Network, yes? Yeah, yes. They go to, uh, they can go to YouTube slash uh, Unball TYT and subscribe. We really appreciate that. Oh, well, that's so what I'm going to do. Jay, I, 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 know I, I think that call was emblematic of what you were talking about. Kind of. Yeah, but, but, and I understand where Otis is coming from. Sometimes politicians become the symbol of larger issues. So I want to break this down in that not fixating on those two candidates, although ultimately that's what it comes down to. We have a two-party system, and the two-party system, quite honestly, is failing black people and failing working-class people across the identity. But let me just rest with black folks just for a minute, if I might, if I may. And I understand where Brother Otis is coming from because we need material conditions to change. Uh, Janet Jackson's song comes to mind, what have you done for me lately? And that's for both. So I get it. I think that the Democratic Party has done a total disservice to the black community by separating black men from black women when it comes to the power of our vote. And we cannot allow ourselves to pick up the bad habits of other folks. Maybe other folks can be separated in that way, but because of our history in this country, we have not matured to the point that we can be separate in our fight for true liberation, whether it's in Georgia or Ohio or in Illinois or Wisconsin or wherever it is in these United States of America, we cannot afford to be separated. And so what the Democratic Party has done by saying that black women are the backbone of the party, but meanwhile, writ large, nothing has really changed for the black community. So the Brookings Institute uh, did us, you know, 
researchers hold black, white wealth back. And I'm just putting this example. We don't lay this on the shoulders of just Stacey Abrams or any individual elected official. But let's just talk about the Democratic Party itself. The racial wealth gap between blacks and white, $171,000 is the average net worth of a typical white family. That is 10 times the net worth of a black family holding at $17,150. Now, I'm just using that as an example. If we look at health disparities, if we look at education, if we look at all the major markers that we point to in terms of quality of life, black folks are always at the bottom of that. And so to allow any party, be it Democrat or Republican, but since we vote overwhelmingly for the Democratic Party, to separate us and make black men feel that somehow they're less or they're not pulling their weight. In Georgia, it's my understanding that, that uh, the Honorable Stacey Abrams has about 88 percent of the black vote. So even if she's getting 95 percent, 92 percent of the black woman's vote, black men and black women are still statistically in the same ballpark. But I don't I'm not making this about her. I'm making this about a party that takes advantage of black people time and time again and always expects black people to come in and save it. But meanwhile, we decide peace. We get caught. We ain't even a mistress. We, we below the mistress. We get we decide peace. We get called every now and then just when the crisis happens. And then other than that, we absolutely get nothing, nothing holistic to the advancement of our people. We are bigger than voting. We are bigger than criminal justice reform. Yes, do those things matter to us because they impact us in a deeper way? You daggone right, they do. But let's speak to the economics of the situation that a black child, even a black child that is born solidly middle class could lose it all. Because of systems in this country that still sees and treats black people via policy and somehow we are less than. And so we as a people got to have a family meeting. We got to have this family meeting about how we are not going to continue to let the party that we vote for overwhelmingly continue to take us for granted holistically. Now, some people running for office get caught up in that. So there's going to come a time. Now, we got to fight neo-fascism. So I agree with my sister. Brian Kemp ain't the one. I get it. I got that. But there is going to come a point where we're going to have to stop asking black folks to save the Democratic Party and also to continue to vote for the lesser of the two evils. I don't mean that in the sense of the Georgia race. I'm talking about all of the races overall. That is an exact. We have that in Ohio. The lesser of the two evils in terms of our Senate race. That's what it's coming down to. And black people are getting tired of it. And black men are tired of being disrespected by this Democratic Party. What I am saying to my sisters, yes, should we be lifted and elevated? Absolutely, we should be. But should we allow a party or any other force or institutional entity or force on this earth to separate us from our black men and our liberation struggle? Absolutely not. We together on this. We can't let them do it. And they've been playing us for far too long. Lena, your thoughts? Nina has definitely, you know, hit it out the park as usual. I mean, in the end, what percentage, you know, I think of after the Hillary Clinton race in particular, you know, that they say, oh, Hillary lost because black people didn't come out. You know, well, actually, we came out. It was that white women didn't vote for Hillary. And so my question would be, instead of talking about some smaller percentage, because you don't have 100%, I don't know many, if any, races that most candidates have had 100% of the vote. So the fact that 
black people are still a huge percentage, 80-something percent of the votes that Stacey is getting. My question is, what percentage of white women are not voting for her and voting for Kemp? And why? Let me give you this. 52% of white women voted for Donald Trump. Okay? 95% of black women voted for Beto O'Rourke. 97% of black women voted for Stacey Abrams. 82% voted for Andrew Gillum in Florida. Uh-uh. But 76% of white women voted for Brian Kemp. 59% of women voted for Cruz over O'Rourke. 51% voted for DeSantis over Gillum. Lena? That sounds like the majority. Oh, okay. Of white women mm-hmm. choosing not to vote. Mm-hmm. But that's not the narrative that you hear. That divisive narrative that you hear about black men and putting pitting black men and black women, the truth of the matter is the majority still are the backbone of votes for Democrats. Democrats cannot win in our state without black votes. And uh, we are we are not um, we are not a people that, you know, a monolithic. We are not just, you know, one way and we nor do we have to be. I, you know, I actually take some offense to the concept that we have to all just be lock, stock and barrel in one particular way. And we don't and we don't get to ask no questions. Yeah. We don't get to hold people accountable, yeah. you know. And people are sick and tired of it. There are some people saying, honestly, I'm just being honest here. They are saying they're not voting in some races because they feel like we need to see the consequences. We being Democrats, that we need to see the consequences of treating people a certain way. All I can say is people have a right to make their own choices. Of course, I try to encourage people all the time to exercise their right to vote. But we have to be conscious that people get to a place where they get sick and tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired, and can choose to stay home. We have seen that people are not will not be inspired and stay home. So all of those pieces are so. But when you're looking at what happens in a majority concept, it's not like 52% of black men are not voting for Stacey. So why it would be pitted in that way I just think is a narrative that always is to poo-poo on black people. Well, you know what? I know that I know that Nina has got to is going to have to leave us because she's got to do engage in show prep for Unbossed. Everybody, four p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and subscribe, and subscribe to the Young Turks. They need our support. They support us, so we need to support them. We have to freedom ain't free. You got to pay for it, everybody. You don't have to pay for this show, but. It would be helpful if you do that. So everybody go to uh, Unbossed, Unbossed, T-Y-T. That's the Young Turks, everybody. And she has a show. It's live, and it is fantastic, everybody. It's fantastic. Please like and subscribe and share. I've got three minutes left for you. Um, Nina, you can stay as long as you wish, but I know that you got a live show today, so... Go for it, girl. Yeah, thanks, SJ. No, I do have to go. I, I just want to amen what my sister, uh, Lena, said, uh, the Honorable Lena Taylor. I, see, people do have a right to vote, and so we got to get out of trying to not, trying to convince people to vote one way or the other, then that's what our job is. 
you know, if you're Democrats, you want to get people to vote for Democrats. If you're Republican, you want to get people to vote for Republicans. I, I, I got that part. However, sometimes we take on this attitude that folks got to vote that way, and they don't have to. And what I am tired of is people dictating that all black people, well, we do, though. We are homogeneous in that because overall majority of our vote does go to the Democratic Party. It is what gave the president, this current president, the courage to say to Charlemagne the God on his show that if you can't decide whether you're going to vote for me or for Trump, you ain't black. See, that is the mentality of neoliberal white folks because they think they own our vote. So even though we are in a situation right now in this country today, and I get it, dog, it breaks me that we are fighting between neoliberalism and neo-fascism, and neo-fascism is dangerous. It is deadly in the immediate term. But I guarantee you that neoliberalism is dangerous in the long term. It is why the John Lewis Voting Rights Act has not passed. It is why the George Floyd Policing Act has not passed. It is why people like Bezos and others get a chance to take advantage of workers who are trying to unionize the Starbucks and all of that and threatening these folks because the federal government won't use the big stick that it has. It is the reason why marijuana has not been taken off the one right now. Yeah, the president did a little something, and that's good, but it's still most of those, most of the things that the jailing that happens is on the state and the local level, and we got to get down to that. And we continue to put all our eggs on the federal level when most of the work gets done on the state and local levels of government. It is why we don't have a windfall wealth tax on these folks. It is why oil and gas is having a field day with our earth and with our pocketbooks. And we got a president that's begging these CEOs not to price gouge instead of letting them know who he is and that there will be a consequence, a repercussion for continuing to gouge people in this country at their lowest moments during a pandemic. So all people like me are saying, and I think my sister Lena is with me too, like 99.9% on this, is that as we fight neo-fascism, and we must do that, the black community in particular, but not exclusively, because I believe all working people need to round up together based on what we have in common, is to say to the Democratic Party, at some point, we're going to let the chips fall where they may. Because we understand what's happening on the other side. But what I don't understand is that why you don't use your power. Why didn't you increase the federal minimum wage? Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you codify Roe v. Wade? Why, why didn't you do it? And speaking of Roe, that is a very important thing. But it's not the only thing. We need to talk about economics. That is what folks want to hear. Now, abortion is tied to economics. So let's talk about it through that lens. But to pretend like that is the only issue that's going to motivate and galvanize people to go to the polls, that is wrong. It is not the only issue. It is about pocketbook economics. What is happening for me and mine? Why can't I afford the eggs and the butter and the milk? Why is Big Mama and Big Papa suffering? Kids and their kids' kids. And what about the hoods where people are misunderstood? The rural hoods, the urban hoods, and the suburban hoods. That is what black folks want to know about, and that's what working class people want to know about. So sometimes when you run up office, you kind of get caught up in the global nature of the fight. But black folks Mm -hmm. deserve so much more than what they're getting from the Democratic Party. And although I am one, I do not believe that black people really in America have any part. And that's true. Well, we've got a party. They're called Our Issues. And Our Issues make America, America. I love you, Nina Turner. State Senator Nina Turner. T-Y-T Unbossed. Everybody go on over there, like and subscribe and share. It's on at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Today it's live. 
You don't want to miss it. 1 p.m. Central Pacific time for our brothers and sisters on the West Coast. Love you. Call us, 773-763. We haven't excluded you, uh, Doctor Reverend Dr. Yuri and, and, uh, and Attorney Patillo. We're going to let the guys talk on the other side <laughs> in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. If you really, really want to know what's up, you need to come to the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel because we have great conversations during the break. I know that's why you all really do not like it when I'm not not up on YouTube because you all get a chance to hear us really kind of relax. And we'll not relax. You just hear the conversation. Uh, everybody call us at 773-763-9278. What about this schism that the media continue to amplify about black men and black women? They don't vote like, oh, no, 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 no. What they're not telling you is that white women are voting for Brian Kemp. White women are voting for uh, uh, for Ted Cruz. White women are voting for these uh, for voting for Donald Trump. Many people are voting for Donald Trump. Don't even try it. Two-thirds of Donald Trump's voters made $50,000 a year or more. Hillary Clinton and these Democrats, these folks, get, and, and Joe Biden get the Rainbow Coalition. That's what they get. People of color and poor white folks. Yeah. So let's get real. Let's get real. And you know what? Just for my portion, we, we said this during the break, C.K., uh, Attorney C.K. Hoffler and, and, uh, and uh, State Senator Nina Turner. Everybody go to YouTube, um, Unbossed, uh, YouTube slash Unbossed TYT, so that you can subscribe to her show, which is at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today. And Attorney Lena Taylor and Reverend Dr. Todd Yeary. And uh, we, we, I, think, I think Aaron Connolly is going to call in. Look. Whenever we go anywhere, particularly as black people, because we have been under siege for more than 400 years, you should not have any separation between black women and black men, period. White women don't have it with them and their man. I don't care how much they fight. I've seen my parents be married 61 years. And it has not been easy, but what marriage is? But it's 61 years later. They have endured. And one thing my parents do not play is daylight between Jesse and Jackie which is why they have endured. I don't care how much my brothers and I and my sister and I fight. There is no daylight between us. We don't play that. So when people come up to me and say, you know, we love the Jacksons, yeah, because we don't play that. We might fuss and fight, and some of us might step out of line, but we get them straight. We don't play that because we're a family, and that's the only way we've survived. When you see me, you see Jesse, Johnny, Yusuf, and Jackie. You sure do, and you see my mom and daddy. I'm standing on their shoulders, and I stand with them in solidarity, which is why we've survived, which is the only way that we're all going to survive, which is the way that all people are going to survive against the oligarchy who are taking all of our money and who are wrecking the earth. We have to come together. Let's stop playing. Now, 773-763-9278, uh, let us respond to our old crazy Nina Turner. <laughs> Okay, CK, before we go to Robert Patillo and Aaron Connolly, well, Robert Robert Patillo, Reverend Dr. Yuri, and Aaron Connolly, who's who's joining us. I was late, Aaron. I didn't see your text. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, CK, 
you and then uh, and then you, uh, Robert Pacillo, and you. We're going to keep on going because I want to. I want to hear what the men have to say about this. Quite frankly, CK. Yeah, and I do want to hear what the men have to say about this too, especially these men who who we value so much and 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 whose voices we need to to hear on this issue. Look, I I think that this is a we have to address this issue in family, just like you said, Santita. I would take it a step further. If you allow people to define you, to define your issues and to define how you're going to proceed in elections, then you're going to end up with a schism, a further division of family. And this has been this is not a new concept. This is just something that's taking on a different form when it comes to now all of a sudden your midterm elections, the presidential elections, Senate runoff elections. So we have to take control. Since when are we allowing people to define what we're doing in our community. I think it is important to note that there are strong numbers of black men who do support Stacey Evans. I'm just using that race because I'm in Georgia. Strong numbers of black men who support Stacey Evans. Strong, strong numbers of black women who support Raphael Warnock. There's no division there. What Stacey's saying is, I want more black men to support me. Why wouldn't she say that? That's her demographic. That's not divisive. That's more inclusive. We don't need to allow people to divide us on that issue. Nobody else sits there and allows that to be divisive. So we don't need to either. And that's my beef. Not allowing people to define our issues, taking control in our community, and supporting candidates who support our interests. Brian Kemp, under no scenario, no matter how you slice it, Brian Kemp is not the solution for black and brown people in Georgia, for progressives, for young people. And I can go down the list. He's not the solution. And it's not just because his family brought slavery to Georgia. That's something that makes your stomach turn. But it's because of what he's doing today. The policies, all the voter suppression, all of his positions on all, a lot of critical issues, policing, voting, economics, as it relates to our community, he gets a resounding zero and minus point. That's the bottom line for me in Georgia. Well, you know, I think part of the problem is his positioning. And she's a brilliant woman. Oh, I've watched this debate now three times between Stacey Abrams, the independent candidate, and Kemp. Don't make black men your problem. That's because that's where you got to be careful about what you say and how you say. Because they're not your problem, you know, because that because it could be flipped. And I think then that is what has happened. Black men, I need you to vote for me. That's a private conversation. I think that you have. You know when the when the when the door cl- closes well, and you, you I mean I just that's just my well, my thing because it can be flipped as know. it has been as it has been flipped but very quickly CK so I can get to because you know we can continue to carry the conversation on I think it's important to do but that that wasn't me who said I don't know that wasn't me oh okay okay <laughs> who said I don't know before I get to uh, Robert Patel that was that was that was Senator Taylor saying I agree. With what CK said, which is it's not wrong to ask, but if you don't understand the conversation, maybe it, maybe she doesn't mean it divisively. Maybe she's saying, look, I got a small margin and I even need the few that ain't with me to be with me. Maybe that's what the argument is. But either way it goes, I'm saying, what about the majority, right, of white women who are going out supporting these other Senate candidates that I think, you know, the message for Brian Kemp, 76 percent of white women voted for Brian Kemp, 76 percent white women. Saying. That's all Come I'm saying. Now. I want to hear Boom. what 
have to think about it. So, I mean, so have that conversation with them. Call now in. How about that? Call Emily's list in. Oops, yes, I said it. Call them in. And say, what's up with your girls? Robert Patillo? Well, you, well you're absolutely correct. Uh, I find it interesting uh, because we saw the same thing happen in 2016 uh, when Hillary lost, and all of a sudden they started blaming black people for not turning out in numbers to vote for Hillary. Uh, then when the numbers came out, no, white women are the ones who put Trump in office. And Democrats, for some reason, thought that the Dobbs decision would be enough to bring those suburban white women back into the Democratic fold. Uh, in reality, the Dobbs decision doesn't affect wealthy white women. Uh, it affects poor women. It affects women of color. But, you know, when Sarah goes down to Howard or to Clark's homecoming and comes back pregnant, uh, they get on an airplane. They fly out to a state that uh, uh, that has uh, more liberal laws, California, New York. Uh, they have a private doctor, they have a private procedure, uh, they make it a girls' weekend and they come back home. It's not as big of an issue for them when you have economic advantages. Uh, the Dobbs decision doesn't affect you. So that means those women vote on other issues, things such as the price of uh, gas, uh, things such as inflation, things such as immigration and security. Uh, this is why Republicans have been hammering this message about crime and chaos in the streets uh, to uh, suburban voters, to scare them into uh, into the polls. The uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, scaring them with demographic changes, saying these people are coming here to steal your society, to change your language, to change your religion, to change the, your way of life. This is the reason Tommy Tupperville uh, was making the point that, well, if you allow these uh, uh, the Democrats want crime because crime is Preparation for black people. So they're allowing black people to run wild in the streets in order to uh, repay them. This is why that's what the Republican messaging is, and it's been effective because polling still shows uh, that despite the Dobbs decision, despite uh, what you may see in these marches and protests, these women are wearing their pink hats and their I Wolf Her shirts, and they're going into the polls to vote for Herschel Walker, Brian Kemp, and Donald Trump. And that's just the reality of the situation. When it comes to the schism, quote unquote, between black men and black women, we're talking about 95% of black women voting for a candidate and 88 to 89% of black men voting for a candidate. For any other demographic, that would be beyond super voter territory. Uh, but the idea that you have some black men who, uh, who, who don't get a fall in line uh, somehow has become a, a, a political football to get back and forth. And I'm going to use the same hypothetical that I've used time and time again, uh, which is if you saw a group of 17 to 24-year-old Black uh, black men standing on a, a bus stop or just hanging out in the hood somewhere in southwest Atlanta or in uh, the south side of Chicago or, you know, southeast D.C., etc., and you were to pull up in your nice campaign bus, what exactly would be the Democratic campaign message to them? Are you going to talk about reproductive health? Are you going to talk about climate change? Are you going to talk about transgender issues? Well, what exactly is the selling point uh, besides saying, well, the Republicans are racist? What is your positive message to them? And how often have you brought those young men in and talked to them about what their political issues would be? Not in a uh, condescending of this is what they should be matter, but a matter of actually sitting down, listening to them. It's it's almost like, and I think I used this analogy before, uh, where you see the People magazine in the grocery store, and it says, uh, uh, this is a Dave Chappelle joke, uh, 45 ways to make your man happy, written by some lady. And you, you try to figure out what this man wants, but you're not asking the man what he wants. 
And that's what we do electorally in the Democratic Party. And right now, you're, uh, we're still seeing it where men, black men are saying, well, you've had the majority. Where's that vote on voting rights at? We haven't, that hasn't come up for a vote. Where's the, uh, the vote on uh, criminal justice reform, the justice of policing law? Where are those minority contracts that we were talking about? Where's that uh, vote on H.R. 40, the uh, Reparations Study Committee uh, committee legislation that John Conyers and Sheila Jetson Lee have been pushing for the last half century. Uh, what exactly is going to uh, happen with R&D money going forward? Is that going to be invested into HBCUs or is it still going to go to Caltech and Stanford, etc.? Uh, when it comes to uh, aerospace, well, how are we going to get our fair share of governmental contracts? We just saw Elon Musk in another $14 billion contract with NASA. How can we break into this? And what's going to be the, uh, the pipeline program that's going to be created uh, in order to do so? When it comes to these idle loans that were given out during the pandemic, we saw PPP loans that wealthy people were able to get a hold of being completely forgiven, but idle loans that many uh, lower-income business owners took out, those things have not been forgiven, and those go- are going into repayment uh, coming up in the next month or so. So there's legitimate questions that need to be answered, but instead of answering those questions, the narrative has simply been, well, what's wrong with black men, and why Killer Mike out here talking, and why are they talking crazy out here? And that, that you, draw, you create a side conversation at the worst possible time in the middle of September because we need to be consolidating and getting out the vote. Instead, we're having these esoteric conversations that are playing into the black man versus black woman culture war and becomes fodder for gossip blogs, and that's not what you need during the election season. No, we don't need that right now. Reverend Dr. Yeary. Well, good morning to uh, you again. Santita, to Mary and Martha, Madam Chair, Sister Aaron, and to uh, my brother from another mother, Robert Patillo. I want to go back a bit to a framing that came out in the Kerner Commission report released on the heels of Dr. King's assassination in 1968, but actually uh, commissioned in 1967 in the backdrop of the great society legislation that pivoted the focus to the Democratic Party. 1964, you get the Civil Rights Act. 1965, you get the Voting Rights Act. You get Medicare. You get Medicaid. You get fair housing in 1968. In the midst of all of that, there was still unrest in many of the urban areas. And so uh, uh, President Johnson was wondering what was going on. Why, why was there no sense of appeasement for black interests? And out of that flow, the report defined black power because there had been a lot of conversation around rhetoric. But the commission actually, I think, gave us a, a definition of substance. And the definition in the report is black power is the ability to swing the outcome of an election. There was a recognition by the commission that this new voting bloc, while it may not be controlling, it's determinative, determinative rather, of the, the framing of the policies that will move forward. And so how do you then neutralize this determinative block, but by causing this kind of internal friction driven by wedges through the ignoring or the, the misframing of what's going on in terms of the political power of black men and black women? So we leave this this perception and framing that's disjointed. And so I would offer that maybe what we need is a political platform of Django. Yeah, I said it. Um, 
and we have to push back on the institutionalization of plantation economics and the oppression of black people that requires infiltration and deconstruction from the inside while also making sure we don't become subsumed. What, what do I mean by that? If we're going to liberate ourselves from the new plantation economy, which doesn't come with shackles, physical shackles, but economic ones, we have to be willing to recognize that you may not be able to save everybody, but you're going to save most people and be focused, as has been argued, on what are the numbers we do have instead of allowing the narrative to always be a criticism of what we don't have. And if we don't get serious about what this actually looks like, the updated version of the next plantation economy, which is being constructed right now at the expense of not only people of color and the shifting of political priorities to kind of assuage and appease uh, brown communities, immigrant communities, Hispanic communities, but also to keep poor whites at bay. If we don't get back to recognizing that the plantation economics of the 19th century and now the 21st century goes against the interests of the masses writ large, then we're going to continue to get caught up in these conversations about who's included, who's being blamed, who's being excluded. This is an opportunity to come up with a liberation plan that speaks to not which party are we going to be presumably voting for, but which party is going to meet the demand of the moment that says we have a legitimate agenda that must be addressed. Otherwise, Django's coming. Well, you know, I, Aaron, I hate to do this to you, but I mean, we have like a few minutes left. But everyone, stay here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. I mean, I know, I know everyone is running to work this morning, but I think this is such an important conversation. The corporate media, and really, I've heard no conversation even from now and from Emily's list, the overwhelming majority of white women vote for Trump, vote for Brian Kemp, vote for Ted Cruz. They vote for these candidates. When you have the Beto O'Rourke's out here, the Stacey Abrams, the Raphael Warnock's, they're not voting for them. They're not voting. No. They're voting for the establishment. What is up, Aaron? Not that you can speak for all white women, but you have a, you have a bird's eye view of white folks that I ain't got because I'm not white. Well, thanks, Santita. I, I definitely don't want to speak for that whole group, but I think the, the important well, because thing understanding that these are not your politics, yeah. right? No, I understand no. that, but it's just like Frank Watkins, who we just memorialized, really one of the great unsung heroes and architects of the modern civil rights movement, and therefore of the new America, the emerging America. My father's communication director emeritus, his longest-serving staff member, who was a white man, everybody. A white man who he met, who he who he met before he joined our staff in 1969, and he never left. Never. Never. So there's some white people who are about it, and there's some white people who are enslaved, and there's some black folks who don't mind who don't mind being enslaved and who want some slaves themselves. So let's just cut all that out. Three minutes belong to you, Aaron. And I think Dr. Frank Watkins would have a, an important history lesson, no doubt, for us about the, the longstanding tradition of white women abandoning their so-called allies and voting for their self-interest based on a variety of different 
situations a lot that we've been able to dig into on here. But what we do know is in the previous election, we saw split tickets. We saw exactly what you're talking about, mostly from white women who in one portion of their ballot vote for Democrats, even progressives sometimes, and then either do not vote or vote the other side of the ticket in another portion of the ballot. And where we're going to need to see some continuity and consistency with regard to that progressive voting is down the whole ballot. As as we know, we have uh, battles in state Supreme Court that will decide the future of women's health care and voting rights in many states, including Illinois, uh, blue states where we, we take for granted some of those down-ballot races. Finish your ballot <laughs> is my, mm-hmm. my plea to everybody. Those down-ballot races make a difference. And if you're voting blue at the top, consider bl- voting blue all the way down because those judge races, those Local elections make a difference in how our local government operates, and we see the impact in our um, but, in our but, nation yeah. in some of these local but, races. And we have to we have to make sure that we're at least participating in that whole process. Right? You're absolutely and, right. But to interrupt, let me just say that I'm, my question is: Why are white women voting this way? White women, we talk about black women needing to work an extra 263 days in order to make what a white man makes in 365 days. Indigenous women, Hispanic women have to work almost a year, 11 months. White women have to work more than 365 days in order to earn what their white male counterparts make. What is going on with white women where they continue to vote against their own interests? What is up with that? Well, it's a variety of, of, of reasons, right? I think it's this, this natural inclination for, for white women to see themselves outside of an oppressed class in many ways. Okay. It gives them, um, you know, this sort of coverage in, in, in different ways. They also, in many But cases, they slip in and out of it. Carolyn Bryant, who accused exactly, Till of, exactly. of whistling yes. her, said, I'm more than a dog whistle. You can't have it both ways. Correct. Right? But sometimes... We we see that happen happen throughout history and and in and in today's uh, landscape as well. So, I think it's taking real responsibility of which way women would like to have it, <laughs> and I think taking full responsibility for what that vote represents. Right? This isn't we 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 see sixty years ago. Um, we're looking at Emmett Till the movie. And we're talking about when the Anti-Lynching Act was passed and how long that took for that to happen, right? This is, this is a, a slow process of democracy. And we have to understand that our vote is the most consistent tool we have on the battlefield. We have to use it every time and we have to use the full power of it. We can't just let it go every four years. We have to show up every two and in between. Well, stay right there, everybody. You know, I want to get some closing thoughts from you, C.K., from you, uh, Attorney C.K. Hoffler, uh, Senator Lena Taylor, Reverend Dr. Todd Urey, uh, uh, Robert Patillo, and and you, Aaron, because you know, I think this is a conversation that we need to have. Don't you all think? I, I think we do. We really do. We need to know, and we need to bust up these myths about who's voting for whom. Oh, that needs to stop. And we also have some very real lessons we need to learn about survival. Not only must black men and black women come and stay together 
And all, all of these couplings. But guess what? All people need to stay together. We need to be in solidarity with each other. That's the only way we're going to win. I'm only going to win if you win. If I lose, you might think you're winning, but you're not. COVID showed us that if I got a little infection, you can get the bug too. And in fact, in all likelihood, you will. We breathe the same air, eat the same food. We are one, everybody. 